All right, so we have begun the new year, obviously. This is the third Sunday of the new year, and yet it's the, the second Sunday of our new topic. Uh, and, and for some of us, I mean, you know, as we look at this, this is a review. But this week, in the second week, uh, as we look at the object of our faith, um, really the question is, who do you worship? What do you worship? What is the focus of where you invest your life in yourself? What, what is it that's, that's the priority, the most important thing in your everyday consideration? We live in a world that teaches us to, to think about us. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Look out for number one. It's all about me, Right? I mean, that's what the world teaches us. That's what they're trying to tell us. And yet we know as believers, as followers of Jesus, that, that we're, not, we're not the center of the universe. It's not all about us. And so where is it that we focus? And, and then the question follows as to why. So last week we looked at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and I had preached that back in October. I preached the fact that God spoke. Okay, we, we, we already know God spoke. Uh, the Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says God spoke through the prophets in various times and in various ways. And But in these latter days, these last days, he has spoken to, to us through his son. Right? And then we, we looked at seven things that make the son uh, the priority. I mean, it's right there in just two verses when he says, God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. See, that's the thing that just draws our attention to Jesus. So the object of our worship, this is our artwork for the year. If you want a copy, they got them out at the, the welcome desk out there. Uh, obviously, the cross is this, this kind of focal point in history, this pivot point of all creation. And then, and then, and then Christ is resurrection and, and sitting down at the right hand of majesty on high. And yet the writer of Hebrews is, is, is uh, I used these, this language last week, and, and, and I'm going to explain it. But the writer of Hebrews is making the case because the author of Hebrews has made the case and the author of Hebrews is God verse 5 here we go for to which of the angels did he ever say you are my son today I have become your father or again I will be his father and he will be my son again when he brings his firstborn into the world he says and let all God's angels worship him and about the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But to the sun, this is what he says, your throne, God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak and they will be changed like clothing. But you are the same and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. and We thank you, God, that, that you have given us evidence 
And yet, God, it's because you've spoken that we gather to understand who you are. How does Jesus pray to know you, God? We want to know you. God, because as we know you, you change us. The better we get acquainted, <laughs> the more, God, you refine us and you shape us. And God, truthfully, you grow us up. So God, help us to grow up a little this morning as we hear your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, no one ever had to convince me that Jesus is important. Y'all know that? I mean, I don't ever remember having to be convinced that Jesus is important. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad, who are probably watching right now, because before my sister goes to uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Williamston to teach Sunday school, she goes over to my parents' house and turns on YouTube so they can watch us live. And so mom and dad, good morning. Good to see you. No, good for you to see me. Like it. All right. Anyway, uh, but I remember growing up in a home where Jesus was a priority. I mean, I remember, you know, I, I, it's funny that this week I, 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 I was telling Bobby over here that, that I, I can't tell, I, I had to go to the DMV one time and then I had to go to the Anderson County Tax Office one time and, you know, and I'm carrying around this, this power of attorney thing and all this and, and quite honestly, the only difference in what it says on the power of attorney is one letter because it says Robert E. Owing, Robert Earl Owings Sr. and Robert Earl Owings Junior, so the only difference in the two is the S and the J, right? Right. So, so, so when I look at this thing, and it's like, you know what? I, 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 I grew up in this home, and somebody in my week this week said, I said something about being a pastor, and he said, you know, my my father-in-law has been the pastor at Harris Baptist Church in Greenwood um, for forty years. And I was like, Harris Baptist. Do you know what about? 56 years ago, I was a sunbeam in Harris Baptist Church. Right? I mean, that's how I grew up. I grew up in a worship setting. Worship in, quote, church, but worship in the home. I mean, nobody had to convince me that Jesus was important. You see? But Jesus as we're talking about it this year, is the object of our faith. We worship Jesus. And so, so when we start to consider this and break this down, we know and, and we're taught all along, you know, uh, we gather to worship God. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You see, we, we understand this, this, this teaching and what we, what we have in the Word of God. And so it's Hebrews, and, and particularly these first four verses that says God has spoken through His Son, and His Son is the one who was at creation, is the sustainer of all creation. He, he, is, he is the firstborn. He is all these things, and He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, and He sustains everything by His powerful Word. Why, why is God having to make a case here? Right? I mean, that's really a question to ask. I mean, why, why, and some have said that the book of Hebrews sounds like a sermon somebody preached. I mean, honestly, I, one of the commentators said that, and it may have been. I mean, this may have been something that God inspired and, and inspired for it to be written down, and somebody got up and preached it because all of the epistles, the letters of the New Testament, were shared in open congregational uh, form. I mean, they would get up and say, hey, we've got a new letter from Paul. Everybody sit down. You know, and they'd read the letter from Paul. And so, so the book of Hebrews is like that. 
And yet in the book of Hebrews, there is this unfolding of, of priority. So, so we have the, the, the establishment of the nature of the Son. And then we've got this, this second section of chapter 1 that starts talking about the angels. So, so one of the great themes of the book of Hebrews is the superiority of Christ, the, the supremacy of Christ, the priority of Christ. And, and, and what we know is, is that because uh, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the first covenant was communicated through prophets, but was also communicated through angels in the Old Testament. When you go back and start to look at that. And that's why as God reveals this to us, he says, for to which of the angels did he ever say? So what we've got here is this comparison of what God has announced in the Old Testament and the New or like I told y'all last week, the commentator that I've been reading on this, the First Testament and the Second. Because God communicated a, a lot of things to his people. And he communicated through prophets and he communicated through angels. But then he says, he said, for which of the angels did he ever say, you're my son? Because to the Hebrew people, the, and, and you'll find it in the Old Testament, uh, sometimes angels are called sons of God. But no specific angel is ever referred to as the Son of God. See, so he says this. He says, you're my son today. I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. He never has said that to any specific angel. But he has said it to who? The son. See, the, spot, the father speaks of the son. You know why? Son's always been. Son didn't just start one day. There are those who would like to teach that, oh, well, you know, Jesus was such a fine fella. God adopted him as a son. You know? Well, no. The son always was. The son is the word that God spoke when, when creation was formed. And the word became flesh. Because that's what John 1, 1 says. It says, in the beginning. What beginning? In the beginning of anything was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh. There's Jesus. You see? That's all in John chapter 1. Again, this is what God says when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels worship him. Do you know the Bible teaches us never to worship angels? Y'all know I know people who worship angels. Watch out. Some folks in some traditions in our culture teach people to worship angels. The Bible says no. But God told the angels to worship the sun. How about that? Right? And, and about the angels, this is what God says about the angels. He makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. So the messengers of God. Now, this is all about the message and the messengers. The messengers were prophets. The messenger is the son. Angels, the definition of the word angel is messenger. So about the angels, he says they're winds and fiery flames. So, so they are messengers that God speaks to and sends out to communicate the message of God. And then in verse 8, there you go. But to the Son, this is what God says, your throne God. So God refers to the Son as God. And yet there are those who would say that Jesus isn't divine, that he was only adopted by God. Your throne, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, 
has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. You see? So, so, so what, is, what is God communicating to us through the writer of Hebrews by inspiration of the Spirit of God? Jesus is really important, y'all. He's not just an add-on to your life. He's not just a membership card to carry in our pockets. He's just not membership in church or, or, or some practice of, 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 quote, religion. See, see, Jesus is the focus of our being. He's our identity, okay? When people look at you, do they see Jesus? Are you communicating Jesus to the people around you? Are you living it out in public in such a way that people go, man, when I'm around that person, that just feels like Jesus is in the room. You see? And then verse 10, it goes on. It says, and in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. He never said that about the angels, but he does say that about the sun. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak and they will be changed like clothing, but you are the same and your years will never end. So what we've got is the father speaking of the son. And now we've got this, 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 this sort of, um, the way, the way God has laid it out for us. And this is what the father has said to the son. Now, we know that all the way back in creation that God had sort of pointed to redemption. God had pointed to, he says, you know, and, and the seed of the woman would crush the head of Satan. And so God, they call that the evangelion or euangelion, however you want to pronounce it. But anyway, it was all the way back in Genesis 3 that God said, you know, because of this sin and fall, there will be redemption. And then God spoke to who? God spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, leave your family, leave your father, go to a land that you have no idea where you're going. You'll stop when I tell you to stop because out of you I will make a great nation and, and from you all the nations will be blessed. See, that was the, that was the covenant promise. Right? And then you got, got God's, that family from Abraham and Sarah and Isaac, and, and it grows into the, the 12 tribes, and they go into uh, famine captivity in, in, in Egypt, and they grow into millions, and they come back out of Egypt, and, and, and as they come out of Egypt, you know, God shapes them into a nation by their worship. And, and I shared this last year that, that the, the thing that made them different from all the nations around them was their worship. Folks, what makes us different from all the nations around us? And I don't mean nations. What makes us as God's people different from all the other people in this world? It's our worship. Who do we worship? What do we worship? What is the object of our faith? Who is the object of our faith? Because folks, if we live in a society and a culture that teaches us to worship ourselves... And we give in to that. <laughs> we got issues to put it in a more contemporary vernacular. Right? See, because the world all around us is worshiping itself. It's taught to. It's conditioned to. It, it leads us into self-worship without even 
letting us know that that's what's going on. You see? The Father speaks of the Son. The Father speaks to the Son. And, and the, God, the Father speaks to the angels, but He speaks to the Son differently, and that's what's being broken down here. And then in verse 13, He goes on to say, Now to which of the angels has He ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Now, all of these statements we find in, in, in 2 Samuel, you find them in Psalms, you find them throughout the Old Testament. And so that's why the God, by inspiration, pulls these verses to say <clears throat> to the audience, to the hearers of this word, uh, what he's saying is, it says, you've heard these things said for hundreds of years. And now with Jesus, you understand what was being said. You understand what now it points a lot of a lot of these psalm references and a lot of the Samuel references actually refer to the establishment of the Davidic kingdom. The fact that King David would be a king and, and he would always for eternity have a, 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 a descendant on the throne of God's people. Well, one of two things had to happen for that to happen. Ready? That meant God had to keep a descendant of David successively in line to be the king over his people or for eternity now, because that's what it says. His kingdom would be eternal. So he either had to keep a physical king on the throne of Israel for all of eternity or he had to have an eternal king. You see, that's how Jesus becomes the eternal king. That's the case that's being made here. To which of the angels has he ever said, okay, you did the work, now sit down. Sit at my right hand until I make all the enemies of creation your footstool. Man. Verse 14 is just sort of like a, <laughs> are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit the earth? You see? What is he saying here? He's saying there are angel messengers of God. We know thousands upon thousands upon thousands. There are angel messengers of God. I mean, you know, one of them showed up in a field with a bunch of shepherds and went, hey, don't be afraid. Right? I mean, I always thought to myself, I thought, how come every time an angel appears, they go, fear not. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. I'm afraid. All right? Something bright, shiny, glowing with a sword standing before me. Okay? I'm scared. Because then that way he said, if you're scared, say you're scared. I'm scared. But the angel says, fear not. Because I am telling you of something incredible. I am here to bring you a message from God. But those angels in the field with the shepherds were not only giving a message of God, they were announcing the messenger of God. The supreme messenger. The, the, the superior messenger, you will find him wrapped in strips of cloth, swaddling clothes, right? You see? And so, so I never had to be convinced of that. And likely, growing up, even if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, or, or, or you didn't grow up with, with, with the influence of Christianity around you, Right? Uh, somehow in the West, and, and particularly in America, we have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. We have that opportunity. And we likewise have the opportunity to reject Him. 
You know why? Because in our culture, we're taught not to need him. I don't need Jesus. You know, I heard it. Jesus is a crutch. You know what the implication of calling Jesus a crutch is? Oh, you're so weak, you need a crutch. Right? No! See, the Father has spoken of the Son. The Father speaks to the Son, and the Father explains right here in verse 13, the Father speaks Jesus' dominion. Jesus is Son, He is heir, He is creator, He is sustainer, He is the radiance of God's glory. You see, He is the exact expression of the essence and nature of God. He is king, He is priest, He is God. And He rules. Right? We get to move on from this after this week, but guess what? He continues the writer continues to share with us God's message of the warning. See, as we continue, we're just going to keep unfolding this thing in such a way as to understand that, that as we study this particular book, maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, you know. Mom sat you down and read the Bible to you and shared the gospel, and you said, yes, I want Jesus, and so you accepted Jesus. Right? Maybe you didn't. Maybe you grew up in a home where it was like, all right, make up your own mind for your own self. I know a lot of people like that. Right? Maybe you were anti-Jesus. Maybe it was like, no, I don't want anything to do with him. And yet, like that song Scott and Morning Glory sang, he, he, he sought you out. And he kept coming. And he kept coming. Right? I, everybody comes from a different place. But, but the revelation of God is the same for us all. You see, Jesus is the message. Jesus is the messenger. Jesus is the object, the focus, priority. Not just of our faith, but our worship. Remember, I've told you that the word worship comes from the word worth. What is Jesus worth to you? Do you live your life expressing his value to you? Is he the most important thing to you? See, the world says no. Things like, and, and I love asking this question. I mean, I always ask it. When I get into the, to the, the, the walking together conversations, it's the second question I ask. It's the most important thing in your life. It's a setup. A lot of people will say things like, well, my family. Right? I go, watch who you bow down to. Right? Or, or the, and I'm not saying family's not important. God gives them a place in our, in our priority structure. But they're not the most important thing. My kids, my wife, my you know, some, some people waywardly will say, oh, well, my, my job is what provides for me. And I go, whoops. Right? It's the most important thing to you. See, if it's not Jesus, we need to readjust. Okay? Jesus is the most important thing to believers, to those who follow him. And that's the case of the book of Hebrews. 
And, and, and for the writer of Hebrews to break it down for the Hebrew people, for those first century Christians, to say, you know, God has communicated since creation. What prophet wrote the first five books of the Bible? Anybody know? Moses. Right. God communicated through Moses. See? So, so when we consider these things, we stop and say, okay, well, what is it that Jesus said? What is it that Jesus has done? These are the things we need to pay attention to. Okay? If you don't know Jesus this morning, man, we want to tell you about him. We want to share the gospel with you. We want to share the good news, the, the life-changing message of the death, burial, resurrection, the victory that God's given us. In Jesus. Maybe you know him. Unfortunately, uh, sometimes it, 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 it's like a membership card. Right? Maybe you know Jesus. Question is, is he the center of your being? See, that's what God's calling us to. Maybe you want to be a part of the gathering. I know a couple may, might. Yeah, huh? So anyway, maybe God wants to do something this morning. You want to be a part of what God's doing here at the gathering. You come on down. It'll be fine. Just do what God's calling you to do, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, and thank you, God, that you loved us first. Thank you, God, that you've given us a, 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 a you've given us an identity in you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, you've proven it. You've shown it to us. And yet, God, for some of us growing up this way, we didn't have, it didn't have to be proven. God, it was just that, that environment that we grew up in. But for some, God, it, it, there had to be a case made. So, God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that, that you've revealed yourself and you've spoken. And now, God, help us to hear and help us to respond. And we give you thanks for it. As we sing, God, just hear our praise and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.